such a good feeling, you know, to to get in the apple my very first shift playing pro and then to be able to get in a fight pretty much clean house. So into is there one thing that you would be allowed to say or would want to say? And you got guys bringing strippers and hookers and you you name it and like and money wasn't an issue. It was just like who you bring in because we need to know who's coming to this this private, you know, party that we're having. And do you feel that boxing really helped you for this? Oh like I know it's a different style. A hundred percent boxing was a key to my success, you know. Um, just being able to move your hands, how to punch, where you snap your punches. If I'd rather fight three times than score three times, though, you get more chicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show. It is your host, David McCaig Jr., bringing you another special edition upload powered by the Game Entertainment and Media. Wherever you're tuning in, the Game Sports Show and T-Jam are happy to have you with us as this special edition upload promises, as always, to deliver its usual electrifying content. Also, wherever you're listening, make sure you're subscribed, following, and liking the video or audio versions of our content from the TGM YouTube channel to wherever you get your podcasts, such as Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and much, much more. Now, getting to the co-host joining yours truly for tonight's upload, you know him by now, okay? If you don't know him by now, I just don't understand why you would. He's a former professional hockey player of over 1,000 games at the professional level and a hockey analyst for TGM, Brendan Brooks. Brooksy, how's it going, pal? Yes, sir. It's good to be back. I've had a little hiatus for a few, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the show today. Definitely. Our special edition uploads and all of our shows are always fantastic to tune into, and the listeners are in for another treat here today. Now, getting to our special edition guest. Actually, hold that thought. Are you looking for a way to show off that memorable sports item, preferably a jersey, just like how I like to show off my John Tavares Toronto Maple Leaf jersey? Well, look no further than the Sport Displays jersey mount. It's easy to put up and it's easy to take down and it looks nice on your wall. Perfect for your office, perfect for your cave, perfect for your garage, perfect anywhere. Plus, they offer great fundraising opportunities for your sports teams. You can check them out on their website, thesportdisplays.com. Now getting to our special edition guest, he's a Canadian ice hockey player who has played in multiple professional leagues such as the KHL, the AHL, the USH, the LNAH, and the FPHL, where he was signed as part of this season at this point of recording. He also played in the WHL at the junior level for the Prince Albert Raiders, Tri-City Americans, and the Moose Jaw Warriors. This guest was wicked Mohawk style who played 464 professional games in those professional leagues that I mentioned. He has made his professional MMA debut, and as a youth, he was involved in boxing, where he was provincial and Golden Gloves champion in 1998 and 1999. And another fun fact, if you're living under a rock and haven't seen the TV series Sorzy yet, well, first off, get on it. And if you have seen it, you'll recognize this individual as he is on the cast of Sorzy and is known as one of the gyms. This show features a cast of Jared Kiso, previous special edition guest, friend of Brooksy and myself, and, and entertainment connoisseur, I like to call him, Terry Ryan, Jordan Nolan, and many more. In the words of Shorzy, quote unquote, are you three gyms? All right, you'll need nicknames. What is your last name? We prefer to be called by our first names. Nicknamed by his teammates and fans as Nasty and who developed a strong following throughout his career due to his Mohawk style and laughing during his fights. 
with now even providing laughs on the television screen. The one and only John Morasti. John, pumped to have you on here, pal. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Definitely. Now, I had to take a quick breath from that introduction. There's a lot that we got into. And you know what? It's great to have you on. I, may, I might call you Jim on this upload once in a while. I may call you John, whatever it may be. But jokes aside, getting right into it. On the show, we're going to go all over the place. And we like to keep it more fun, keep it interesting. And to say we got a, we got a lot to get into because you do have a lot of stories to share. I did my research prior to the show, too. And, oh, there's some good stories we can get into, but we'll save that. So, firstly, I want to get into Shorzy, okay? Absolute beauty of a show. And I believe that's in your character description with the other gyms, quote, unquote. It is so fucking hilarious, okay? And it's in a language that if you're not a hockey player, maybe there should be subtitles, okay? Like, if think if you're a hockey player, you understand the language a bit more. But the show was announced in June 2021, hit the screens in May 2022. So talk to me about Shorzy. How did it become that you landed as one of the gyms on Shorzy? Oh, it was actually kind of a pretty strange story, story because, you know, obviously I'm, I'm getting older in age and, and uh, I do a lot of work in my community of Flying Dust First Nation and, you know, our, our emails are made public. So I received an email at my work uh, about being on some TV show called Letter Kenny and I'm not much of a TV guy, you know, I don't, I, I watch Sportsnet News and I watch a little bit of the news and, and the movies and so I don't, didn't have a clue what Letter Kenny was and it was kind of funny. So I came home and told my wife, I said, yeah, some show called Letter Kenny wants me to be a part of their, their TV show. And so we Googled it and I remember thinking, fuck, is this the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life? You know? And uh, so long story short is I ended up writing back and, you know, telling them I was interested in stuff, but completely left left on vacation after that. And when I'm on vacation, I don't check my work email and, and uh, I get back. And so I responded, you know, I said, sorry, guys, I didn't realize you wanted me to audition for this show. And you know, thank you for the opportunity, and and uh, you know, the, right away they wrote back and said, "No, you don't need to audition. We want Kiso wants you, anyways." So, uh, long story short, is about four months later, I was on an airplane to Sudbury, Ontario, to uh, to be one of the gyms, and uh, it was a hell of an experience. You know, Jared Kiso, I can't say enough good things about the guy. He's uh, he's a magician at what he does, and uh, actually became a close friend now. So it's it's uh, a great you know organization to be a part of, and and. Uh, you know, I, I think you can expect a lot more good stuff to come from Shorzy. Definitely. You got the shirt on, too. You're repping the shirt. I said that to you off air. You got the Shorzy shirt on. That is absolutely killer. Me and my friends and I are, we love the show. Definitely. It's yeah. definitely what uh, can set some massive entertainment. And obviously, you, you got into how you took the role and everything. But after, like, what was the obvious note aside of you taking the role? After you talked to him, you got there. Was it just like you didn't know much going down there and then you took it? Or did you have to read a script about it first? How'd that all go for you to kind of say, all right, finally, yes, I'll take it? Or what? Well, I, I ain't going to lie. I was a complete rookie at what I did. I mean, I, I they sent me scripts and all this, and I didn't even look at them until I got there. And uh, I think I'm... I'm I'm uh, trying to be kind of almost uh, famous from from uh the 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 scripts because i didn't have many lines you know our lines were kind of limited on there but it was pretty easy but at the same time it was pretty difficult because i was gym number one so i was always the first one speaking right so i had to know when to speak and then once i spoke we knew that gym number two was going to speak who was brandon nolan and then gym number three was jordan nolan so i felt that i had the pressure on me because i always had to know when but uh funny story is you know one of the lines in there that i say is yeah a lot right 
And when I was studying the, the things, the piece was, hey, did you study your lines? And I didn't even look once at my lines. I just kind of would, Jordan, <laughs> Nolan, was actually, Jordan Nolan was actually the whiz of the three of us. And he was like, oh, I, I know your line and your line. So all you have to do is say, yeah. And so as a joke, I told Kiso, I said, listen, I said, ah, I, he said, well, how are you going to say it? And I said, yeah, like really stupidly, right? And I was completely joking over some beer. And Kiso just looked at me with his big eyes and said, that's exactly how you have to say it. So, so now instead of just saying, yeah, you know, it's a big, yeah. And uh, so now they have t-shirts made out that says, yeah, on the shirts. And, that's you know, so to be honest, I didn't really study any of my lines. I just kind of, they worked so good as I saying. And they knew, you know, well, what Kiso told me was he said, you know, it's harder to train uh, actors to be hockey players rather than to train hockey players to be actors. So it worked out well, you know, when we were doing the hockey scenes, you know, me, Jordan and Brandon kind of nailed it because, you know, that was our, our career for our, our livelihood. So we were pretty good on the ice part. It was the acting that came hard, but you know, they, they were very patient with us. And if we, if we fucked up, you know, they were, they were willing to let us do it all over again and stuff. So a uh, lot of support, great teamwork there. And, and, and that was a hell of a time. Hey, it's so funny that you say uh, about Jordan. I don't know if you remember when I, I came down to Sudbury to meet uh, Terry Ryan for dinner, and I think all you guys were, were there. And then uh, Jordan and I were talking when I was there in Sudbury, and he was so stressed out. He's like, I got to go. I got to study some more lines. <laughs> it was So it's so funny that you say that. So he was studying everybody's lines. <laughs> yeah, he was, he, was, he was studying all our lines. So sorry, guys, I'm just grabbing a charger here. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Jordan, we called him the nerd of the three. He was the one that, you know, oh, was yeah. always trying to go study. And me and Brandon were more the social guys. Like, no, let's just go visit everybody and be team guys. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, but it was a, That's a the great, best. great experience. No, and like, how about the, like the mood on set? Is it like how the show is? Like, obviously, you got to do your job, get the get the work done, get the criteria out. Obviously, it goes for television, go for radio, whatever it may be. But on set, you guys got all the beauties, quote unquote. I know it's a word that a lot of people like to use with it. Is it just loose? Is it just fun? It was it was it even considered work, or was there ever a time where guys are like debating, say, hey, why would we say this? Did you ever get any kind of various moods on set, or was it pretty straightforward? It was pretty straightforward, made back. But what I really appreciated about Kito was, you know, he wanted to to make a hockey movie that was realistic, especially like the fighting and stuff. So I mean, you watch those, you know, you watch the old goon and all those movies when they have hockey fights. Those aren't real hockey fights, you know, the way they stand and they box almost in a circle. So. You know, there's a lot of times where they direct me what to do, and I'd say, honestly, Jared, I would never do that in a hockey fight. You know, so he actually took a lot of advice for us to make it realistic, right? Even not even the fighting part, like the, being on the ice, like how we would hold our sticks, or you know, or how we would set up our stalls in our in our dressing room. He always kind of consulted with us because we were the guys that did that as a career. So you know, there was a lot of communication between us going back and forth, and I mean, it was. It was awesome, and being on scene, I mean, there were some long days that we were on this scene for 14 hours. Wow. And then there were some days we were there for an hour, you know, you're like, holy, you know. So, uh, great experience, but also great support, and, uh, you know, anything we needed, we were, you know, treated awesome. Some accents, too, like, you know, Brooksy knows Terry really well, and I've got to meet yeah. him. Yeah. Holy fuck. <laughs> he hit his accent in yeah. Ten, it, ten, well, ten inch cock is what people like uses the joke, but ten yeah. inch cock—that's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. Uh, you know, and that guy—he's another character. That guy, you know, Terry Ryan. He's like—I would always tease him about his book. We'll get in the blowjob with the uh, 
from from a guy, and I'm like, bro, you should leave that shit out of your book, you know. And <laughs> so uh, he's great, great character guy, but uh, I think oh, yeah. make sure you read his book. He's a wild like, man. He's a yeah, wild man. Yeah. So great, great guy though. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Well, Brooksy, you know, they've, you and I have seen the show and you said there's more good things coming up with Sorzy. I don't know how much you can say. I understand confidentiality and I'm sure Kiso would like to be the guy to give, you know, the official news. But by the way, it seems, and I'd be, I think anyone can predict that a season two has to come. You don't have to say yes or no to that, but uh, I think given how successful the show was, one and it's rated eight eight and a half stars on IMDb and it's got very high ratings which when you have those ratings that usually leads to another season some I know sometimes good things come to an end but I don't think Shorzy or anything in the letter Kenny universe is uh at that point yet so can we expect a season two or can you give any information about a season two without violating any contract well, I, I, think, I think I said good things are going to come, so I think that can answer it right there. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I tried yeah. to pry a bit more yeah. information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try to pry. Of course, of course. I know. Like well, I John, said, I definitely want to. No, go ahead, John. Oh, you didn't say it was No, awesome. I was just going <laughs> to. It must be so. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. No, I was just going to say it was an awesome, awesome opportunity to go there. And, yeah. you know, I look forward to what the future brings with it. So, um Right now, I'm actually in the middle of a campaign. I'm running for chief of my First Nation. Awesome. So uh, that's actually here. It's been busy. So we'll see what how that changes down the road too, right? Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's really awesome to hear. Congratulations on that for sure. Yeah. So now I just, you know, I want to get into your uh, hockey, care, uh, hockey career because that's, uh, you know, obviously why uh, we're having you on the show here. Um, you know, uh, Shorzy, I think Shorzy just as oh, yeah. Talking. Well, that's for you, but for me, it's about the hockey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. uh, definitely, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I'm definitely going to bring up the KHL later because I know of uh, there's a lot of stories from over there, and uh, too many. You know, too I just want to talk, yeah, I just want to talk about you know, you were an undrafted guy, you know, you worked your bag off to you know, get to where you were, and uh, you know. As they say, you had to punch your way up, you know, through the levels to prove yeah. yourself. And, uh, you know, despite being undrafted, you end up signing a career with the, I think it was your first career was with Bakersfield in the East Coast League as, yep. a, as a pro in the East Coast. And, uh, you know, I'm just curious, you know, how did that end up uh, coming about that Bakerfield, uh, Bakersfield was the team you went to? Um, well, it's actually kind of, like I said, my whole career has been, I've, I've did it the opposite way that not most guys, you know, being drafted, being signed and going, you know, on, on those kind of deals. Uh, you know, I, I was playing in the Western Hockey League and I actually got my high school girlfriend pregnant. Uh, so when I was 20 years old, I, I, I did quit hockey. I was 40 years I wanted to be one of those that, you know, kept playing, left away, kept playing hockey, you know, left my girlfriend. So I actually quit hockey and enrolled in the U of S, actually, U of S, University of Saskatchewan, and uh, believe it or not, I wanted to be a veterinarian, an animal doctor. Uh, you know, I, I grew up on a horse ranch. I have 25 horses. Always loved that. That was kind of my, my childhood dream. So I enrolled in the university. Was you know working my way towards becoming a veterinarian. But you know, I started getting phone calls as a 20 year old. You know, and I started getting anxious. You know, every in the fall when you know all your buddies are training and they're all leaving the training camps and. You know, I was training and I was in good shape because I was a bouncer at a bar, but I wasn't going anywhere. You know, all my buddies were starting to leave to their camps and, 
And I thought, and I kind of re- reality kicked in. And I was like, well, fuck, I'm not going to go play hockey anywhere. I'm just staying here to go to university. And then I started getting phone calls from pro teams that were looking for tough guys, you know. And I got a phone call from Bakersfield Condors. And they said, you know, we love to bring you. Um, you know, and I just, I was already committed to university. You know, I paid a bunch of fees to go to university. And so they made a deal where they said, well, you know what? You can leave university. We'll pay all your, your fees that you're going to miss out on. You're not going to get any penalties from the university for leaving. So I actually ended up joining the Bakersfield Connors about maybe five or ten games to their season. And to be honest, going to the East Coast, I thought, told myself, oh, I'm going to go and get a lift by all these grown men, right? I, I said, I'll fight, but I'm, I'm probably not going to win this. You know, I ended up having a really good year that year. I think I ended up with like 350 penalty minutes and, you know, got rookie of the year for the team and I did a whole bunch of other good stuff there. So really got my foot into the door and, and actually caught the eye of the uh, Chicago Blackhawks the following year. Uh, 04, 05 is when Chicago was actually thinking of trying to sign me. Um, and then, you know, as you're probably aware, the, the 04, 05 NHL lockout, lockout occurred, eh? Yeah. So... Uh, so yeah, so I spent my first year in Bakersfield and then that's kind of where I got switched around and then they sent me to uh, Norfolk Admirals American League camp who was the Blackhawks farm team and uh, I had a wild ride like I, I ended up going to the Quebec Senior League, you know, I played in that Danbury Trashers. Where, oh you know, yeah, we're we, going to talk about that for sure. <laughs> I mean, I can talk for hours about how I, you know, I was in Quebec, I was in Danbury, but you know, bottom line is yeah, you know, and then I was actually going to even retire from hockey in Quebec. And the next year, I was in NHL camp with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So I took the way I took it was a, a lot different than the, the the average hockey player. So, but I don't regret a thing. I mean, I've met so many people along the journey, and um, you know, it was just an awesome ride. And and I can honestly say, I know a lot of guys say they love fighting that didn't actually love fighting, but I could say I loved what I did. And and if I could do it all over again, I'd probably even do it harder. <laughs> that's wicked. I, oh, I that's amazing. So you got like I when it came to fighting. I know I'm going to let Brooksy ask the second part of this because this was actually, I'm kind of stealing his thunder a little bit with this, but I'm not going to take the full. Well, it's normal now. I'm used to it. So the (laughs) first professional fight, do you remember your first professional fight? There's a second parter to this, but I'll let Brooksy ask that one. As I said, do you actually, my my first pro game, I uh, was playing in Las Vegas. I had flown to the with the team and met him in Las Vegas. I remember I just got a, a, I think it was an assist. Very first, very first shift, I got an assist. Cool. So I remember, uh, off the, so you know, after the assist, you know, go to center ice and line up again. And I thought, well, fuck, may as well make this game good. And you know, my very first second shift, I got in a fight. So, and I kind of cleaned the floor with the guy. I, it was a like I said, a long, long time ago. I remember. So it was such a good feeling, you know, to, to get in the apple my very first shift playing pro, and then to be able to get in a fight and pretty much clean house. So. You know, and like I said, I went there with the intentions of being a young kid and going to be fighting grown men. I thought I was losing a lot, but to be honest, I don't think I lost one or two fights that year. You know? So it was a great, great time, and I fought some big names like Josh Gratton and Steve McIntyre. You know, we had some beautiful fights. So, um, yeah, you know, like I said, it was a, a good first year into hockey, good introduction, and I actually met my wife my first year pro, so that's why I'm married now. <laughs> Oh, amazing, amazing! Well, it's it's crazy because you're not a you're not 
It's because you, well, one thing is you're not a tall guy to fight no. guys like, you know, McClan, like those are McIntyre is a humongous human being. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to fight these guys, you know, it, it just shows you, you know, this, the, the power and strength. And I, and do you feel that boxing really helped you for this? Oh, like, I know it's a different style. A hundred percent. Boxing was a key to my success, you know. Um, just being able to move your hands, how to punch, where you snap your punches. You know, there's so much. And it's just the conditioning, too. Like boxing, people don't realize how much conditioning is in boxing. So, um, but yeah, boxing definitely helped. And, uh, you know, those bigger guys, I, I was always fighting uphill, you know. I was always against the odds because, you know, I fought Derek Bugard, who was, what, nine? <laughs> Massive. You know, uh, what's the other big guy? John Scott, whatever, you know. All those big guys. Yeah. But to be honest, those bigger guys, I always liked fighting. I thought they were punching more. And and I love to be the guy. I love to be the underdog. It got a lot harder. The older I got, when I was kind of one of the top guys, it was always hard because everyone wants to lose, right? So you you have more to lose when you're you're up top. But when you're at the bottom working your way up, it was so much more fun because I was hungry. See, when when you're fighting, like I actually thought when you were – when you, if you box or if, you, if you're a fighter in the NHL, that there would be a little bit of a difference, right? Because when you box, there's a little bit of a – and I'm dancing on screen because we're on video. Thank God we're not just doing audio so I don't look like a complete idiot while I'm talking right now. But I thought maybe there would be a little bit of a hindrance, like, but it truly can help you, right, when you really think about it. I know Brooks, you just asked that, but I was surprised, you know, watching yourself or even others that we've had on the show that – have done in their off season that are more of the enforcer types, you know, that yeah. you know, fighting, how that actually helps off the ice. It could transition to the ice. I thought given the technique in boxing, that could really be different with, than hockey fights. Yeah. And I, I mean, it, but it is different too. Cause I always said, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing myself to Mike Tyson, but I would have no issues fighting Mike Tyson on the ice, you know? And in fact, I'm pretty confident I'd probably beat the shit out of him on the ice. You know, but <laughs> but it's true, you know, because a lot of because now I'm being the opposite of what you're saying. I'm comparing boxing to hockey fighting. Yeah. But you put me in a boxing with him, he's going to murder me, you know, because so I don't know. It's it's a tough, tough kind of saying, you know, it's like when you talk about the UFC and boxers fight, all, all the different things, you know, but boxing definitely did help me like the cardio wise, you know, how to punch, uh, you know, where, how to keep your down and a lot of simple things. So, um, yeah, it was – fighting was, was what made who, me who I am today, I guess. I still live on my reputation, how I fought. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Like, I remember playing against you, you know, multiple times when you were in Syracuse and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, for me, like, I was a goal scorer who fought, but I was a middleweight. So <laughs> I was not going to be fighting, fight, yeah. fighting you, but they uh, – you know what I mean? It's you're always you were a guy that everybody had to be aware of. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you could actually move on the ice. Like you know, there's yeah. some guys that you, you, that can't move, and I always yeah. found the the fighters that could actually get their bodies moving were the scariest. Well, shit, not, because... not many people say that I already like you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. A funny, well, but a funny, a... a funny story is too. Like, believe it or not, growing up in Pee Wee and Bantam, I was one of the best players in the province, you know, playing dub- the double-A Bantam leagues in Saskatchewan and, the, you know, the, our, it's basically like our triple-A leagues and I was always really good and then I made it, I had two older cousins that played pro and when I'd, I went to these junior camps as a 15-year-old and my older cousins that were fighters in the coast were running the camps before they'd go to camp 
And they'd be like, oh, you're going to fight this guy. You're going to fight that guy. So I was kind of thrown into the fire at a young age. And, uh, you know, but going back to my story, like I come home and, you know, everyone says, oh, Marash is just a goon. But I actually, the last two years, led our playoffs in scoring uh, with senior hockey back, you know, <laughs> double A. And so a lot of guys can't believe, like, you know, I, I think I had 15 points in eight games last playoffs. And, you know, and there's some good players and guys that you probably know, like Mike Siklink, uh, Dwight King, oh, you yeah. know. Yeah. EJ King, we have a lot of good hockey players and a good yeah. league here with a lot of good players. And believe it or not, I was actually leading the league and scoring a lot of times. So, uh, you know, when when you when you're not focused on fighting, like I was there to fight, right, or to cause havoc, to go hit. But when you actually just get to go out and have fun and play the game, it's you know I I, I enjoy it. But uh, I still enjoy. I'd rather fight three times than score three times. Or get more chicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for See, sure. The, well, the Danbury Trashers, uh, I'll, I'll say quickly. Now, I honestly, I'll, I'm going to be straight with you. I've watched the Netflix series, okay? I'm going to cut off right there because the, the, the Netflix series doesn't do it justice. That was pure mafia stuff. <laughs> Good. Okay. But that's what we I were think. We were playing at the AA pro level, and we were all making NHL money. So <laughs> it was uh, – but even like the off-ice antics, I mean – the, the documentary was great, but it doesn't do it justice on, on what really happened there. Like, there was – but I will say this. Quebec was probably worse with the Hells Angels up in Quebec. And my first year in Russia with my partner, Yablonsky, there in uh, in Chekhov, Vitez, in the KHL was even pretty wild because our, our boss man was connected to the mob. So, oh, I heard that. <laughs> okay, that that's we got a whole segment for you in the KHL because there's yeah, questions. Might, in, have, but. might have to do another podcast though because I don't know, we could talk for hours about all the shit I've seen. So and I could, I could tell you guys stuff right now that you won't even believe. I mean, I've seen some a cop be beat up with a bat right in front of me. By you know, there's there's stories that I could tell you guys for hours that I I don't have the time to right now. We should do a, we should do a, a nasty morasty segment on each show and plug it in, and that could be a story. Take a hundred episodes and write a book about it. But with with Dan Bear, you played parts of two years there, and they were called the Bad Boys of Hockey, the Evil Empire, any name you want to go with, okay? But you mentioned that the Netflix doesn't do the justice, and I'm not surprised. Okay, definitely 100% not surprised. Hold that thought. You need to protect your investment from the start and at the top. And you can do this with Flawless Roofing Seal Incorporated. Flawless Roofing is based in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada, and Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada. Flawless Roofing is Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario's only certified EPDM roofers. Flawless Roofing has been in operation since 2012 and offers over 30 years experience in the business. Flawless Roofing offers solutions for both residential and commercial rooftops. You can check them out today at flawlessroofing.ca or give them a checkout on Facebook. But what is one thing, okay, that you can share and feed our listeners with? Like anything with Jim Galante or, or some things that Netflix didn't get into. Is there one thing that you would be allowed to say or would want to say? Oh, I, I'm a guy. I don't, I'm not scared. I don't, I, I'd say I don't care, but um, there's little, like there was, there was so much I could tell you from day one to the last day I was there um, that I experienced. But, you know, one of the times was, uh, for example, like the money they threw around, we had played a game and I think it was for Thanksgiving or something. We were going to go to some club in downtown New York City because Danbury was only 45 minutes from the city, right? Cool. And we had guys like late Garrett Burnett and all these big studs that were from the NHL that were, you know, they were saying, okay, well, who are you going to bring to this dinner party? You know, where 
and, and you're talking about four or five hundred bucks a person to go to this restaurant, and you got guys bringing strippers and hookers and you you name it, and like and money wasn't an issue. It was just like who you bringing because we need to know who's coming to this this private you know party that we're having and just this. I, there's so much I could like. There's no justice. It just it was a free for all, fighting, money, women, you name it. It was just crazy. Unreal, unreal. See, and now right now, are you still for sure playing it with the Black Bears? That happened this year, right? Yeah, there's there's I, I don't want to ruin it for them either. But there, I had no intentions of going there to play. Um, okay. A good friend of mine, you guys probably know him, Kevin Killer Kaminsky. Oh yeah, out of Yeah, he, I mean he's a lot older than, than us. He would have never played against us, but he coached against me and stuff. And I've kind of built a good relationship with him over the years. And he had called me up and said, "Hey, uh, I have a friend of mine that's uh, going to be coaching and the GM of this this Binghamton team." And I'm just aware of Binghamton because of uh, you know me and Jablonski used to have our battles with. Uh, you know, Syracuse versus Binghamton in the American League. And he said, can you sign just to create some havoc in the league and, and maybe sell some seats, some season tickets and stuff? So I said, yeah, you know, they gave me a little bit of money to sign. And uh, so I signed this contract with no intention of going there. But it kind of backlash. Like, my social media blew up. And I had, you know, buddies call me and saying, are you really going to play? And, you know, so long story short is they called me up and, you know, offered me a good chunk of come and play their home opener. But I did. Um, it's it's a different game now, though. You know, it's they want me to play mean and tough like I used to. But I mean, ninety nine percent of the guys on the ice were asking me for my picture and autograph after the game. You know, and so it's it's hard to be that nasty player, or that asshole player, when everyone's trying to kiss your ass. And so I didn't really enjoy it because I can't play mean when you know I'm not going to be mean to a kid that's trying to take a picture with me after the you know it's it's really hard. And the game's changed so much. I mean. Back in the day when I was 20 and, a, and I was playing Bob Probert or something, I'd want to go fucking go right after him, right, just to have. But I think the game's so different now that, you know, you don't. Like my first year in American League, I wanted to go after every heavyweight there was just because I wanted to be that guy, right? But now these younger kids, I don't. It's just a different game and and uh, it's, it's a lot harder. So I, after playing that game, they do want me to come back. I don't know when. Like I said, my scenario now is running for chief, and if I get in, uh, I'm, it's it's a pretty busy position. So I, I don't know what the future holds for that. So the one thing I'll say, you brought it up, is actually one thing I was going to bring up was today's game. I, I remember, like, I'm a 91 birth year. To be it's honest. a pushy yeah. hockey world. Now. Yeah, yeah, see, <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. And I remember watching the 90s, the 1000s. When you can even compare the 1000s to the 90s, it was a transition. From the 90s yeah. to the 10s, it was big. But now from the 10s to the 20s, it's even bigger than what that was. But you couldn't go in the corners in the 90s. So I'll get a little slash. Even, yeah. Like you, there, there was – the way it is now, okay, is for the skill presence because you can't get hooked. You can't get bodied. You can't do any of that. But hockey with fighting provides entertainment to the fans. It changes the momentum in games sometimes too. It's a big effect. Do you – do you think fighting will always be in hockey, or you think they'll eventually take it out for good? Well, at the rate they're going, it's 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 really diminishing, you know, pretty fast. But yeah. it belongs any real hockey player, even your top goal scorers and your captains and your more skilled guys, the guys that actually played back then. They know that you know the importance of fighting, right? You you don't get the 
you know, the average fan in today's game doesn't even understand, you know. I've heard people say when me and Yablonski are fighting, oh, that was staged and they're faking it. Fuck, trust me, when I was flying home on the airplane or on the bus, I couldn't put my face on the window because it was so swollen, you know. Um, you know, there is that respect. And, and, and guys like me and Yablonski, we would tap each other on the head after the fight, but we respected each other, right? But at the end of the day, we wanted to kill each other because, I, you know, for him and I, it's really big because we both come from the same town, so... You know, I don't want to come here and say, oh, Yablonski beat him up or vice versa. Oh, John beat Jeremy up. So when we, we would go to war there. So, you know, but with, with aspects of fighting, it's it's gone down a lot. And, you know, I'm even in, I don't know if you guys heard of that hockey enforcers, the international ice wars that uh, I'm actually. Yeah, I've heard that. I'm a judge on there, right? And, and the guys they're bringing to these fights, I mean, no disrespect to them, but those guys would get killed in my day. You know, oh, well, had, some of them look like they couldn't even stand up. I've watched a few. Some of those guys and, are and really I was, struggling with balance. I was, I was giving shit about that. I, I was telling them like, "What are you bringing?" Like, there was one kid they brought from California that couldn't, couldn't even skate, like stand up on skates. And I was actually offended. I said, "You're turning this into a circus," you know, yeah. bringing these guys. And and I'm thinking, me as a 40 year old man that's completely out of shape would kick the shit out of all these guys. So. It, that got me there but there's some kids there with potential but anyways a funny story is after i signed in binghamton i think half the fucking players on the international ice wars all signed signed in the fhl now so i was going to send them all a message and say they have to give me six percent each you know? <laughs> <Get it royalty. laughs> 100%. Yeah, thank you i started a trend of tough guys signing in that league but uh um yeah so that international ice wars i mean even there but i guess what i'm trying to get the point of is all the real big name tough guys are all older retired now right so you're having a hard time finding younger guys that are 20 to 30 years old that want to do that job like we used to do yeah. so you're you're not it's it's to, to, to their credit or to their disadvantage there's not many guys out there to choose from you know you're not going to go get a, a you know a 40 year old john morasti or a steve McIntyre. you know we're we're way past our prime so that the, the pool of getting we, we, we uh i guess what would be the word of um Get, you know, recruiting tough guys is really hard now because there's not many out there. And in the junior ranks, there's not many guys out there either. None. They're not even that big. They're not even that big anymore. You don't see those. You know, I know someone like Austin Matthews, okay? He's 6'3", 210, but he's not dropping the mitts, okay? He scores. Yeah. But that's considered tall and big now where you got guys like Bugard that was a mammoth. Char. Yeah. Well, I remember my, my first time, you know, when I got was up in the NHL for exhibition season, I remember... I mean, you guys said it earlier, I'm a short guy, right? But I remember getting off the plane, and I felt like a midget. You know, I'm, I'm big, I'm heavy, you know, 235, 240, but I'm very short. And I remember I felt like such a little kid compared to, you know, standing beside Mike Commodore or, you know, all these guys that are, they're all 6'5", 240, 250. And, you know, now I go to an NHL game. I, you know, I took my wife a couple, a year ago, and I remember I felt like I was watching minor hockey. You know, most of these kids are, you know... Don't don't get me wrong. They're they're skilled up the ass, you know. They're it's a really high pace, fast caliber game. But I just I miss that. It's not even the fighting I miss. I just miss the physical play. And yeah. you know now there's a game. It'll be eight nothing, and they're still trying to fucking score goals. You know that's when it was eight nothing. I was saying, you know, I was sending all my tough guys out there and said, go Greek havoc, you know. Exactly. So the game's a lot different. I just think it's not as passionate anymore. You know, guys don't want to get hurt. Guys don't want to lay the body. Um, and to me, that's just boring. Um, but I guess I can't control it. That's the way the game's going, and who knows? Maybe it'll uh, do a full circle. We'll be, be tough guys again. Who knows? I, I hope that's yeah. Nice. The I can tell, like you know, from this because it is hockey fighting is kind of getting out of the game, as you say. 
But now I find that the old fighters, uh, the guys, you know, that did it for a long time, you guys are getting even more famous now from all the stuff because there isn't anymore. And the true hockey fan from back in the day, they're all coming out of the woodwork trying to find you guys and what you're doing. And, and like you said, for the show itself, you know, obviously, you know, that's part of, you got that part from your reputation as a player and as a, and as a teammate. And uh, I think that's just, you know, where it's going now, you guys are getting famous on other things and not having to fight because you guys are a dying breed. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that's that's exactly what it is. You know, it's it's sad, but I got the same time. Like the only thing that bothers me is there's a lot of tough guys now that are all saying, "Oh, I didn't want to do it. They made me do it." You know, and and I'm kind of against that because I loved what I did, and you know, so it's kind of deflating when you hear guys saying, "Oh, I didn't want to do that, and I was forced to do that," and yeah, that's where you're, you know, that's where the media is going now, yeah. and I and I don't I disagree yeah. with that. If I did it again, I'd probably even be worse. But I think some of those guys that are saying that wouldn't have made it if they didn't do that. So, yeah, you know what I mean? It kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. And, I mean, they didn't complain when they were there in the spotlight either, right? It's exactly. now, now that they're no longer there, it's like, well, ah, I didn't want to do it. And I didn't get, you know, I need to get, you know, I, I loved what I did. Um, and so I get a little bit down when I hear guys putting it down yeah. and especially guys that did it, right? Yeah. It's like, you, you yeah. didn't Well, there's a few of you guys. There's a few of you guys. Well, obviously, I was teammates with Jeremy. Uh, you know, yeah. Yabber and I were friends and teammates, and and he loved it too. And yeah. uh, and then you got Trevor Gillies, a very good friend of mine. There's another guy that loved it. You know. Yeah. And yeah. you know, th- and you, but those are you guys are the guys that I think played the longest and yeah. had the most fights. Yeah, and we and I enjoyed it. It was awesome. You know, so <laughs> but I just like I said, I don't I don't like the guys now and. And God forbid, I know there, there's been a lot of bad things that have happened too, you know, with a lot of the suicides and, and shit like that. But I've, I've, I've dealt with depression and all that. And, and I think it's more not the fighting in hockey. Because shit, if, if fighting was bad for your brain, why are they allowing the UFC? To, those guys get kicked and punched way harder than we do, you know, and they're still doing it. So I just think the thing is, and I've experienced it myself, is, you know, when you leave the game of hockey and you, you know, you got that celebrity status and you make lots of money and everything's laid out for you. And then you, you retire and you go to the real world and it's a culture shock, right? You're like, you're not prepared for life after hockey. And, and I think that's where a lot of the problems lay is not being prepared to leave the game, you know, at your own, at your own pace. Yeah. And you got all this awareness out there now with football and the protocols. Yeah. That, but there's, there it's, <laughs> It's such a big – it's a bigger discussion. That's a whole other podcast too about fighting. Yeah. It's something that needs to stay. I, I I, would love if I'm down a goal and I got a guy on the bench that, you know, I need that big goal to set the tone. And if there's someone's an idiot from the other team to actually fight me because they respect and try to change the momentum. Because I'm a firm believer if I'm a coach on the other side, if I'm up, I don't want my guy fighting because if he gets his ass kicked, that changes the whole thing because – I've been on both sides, and Brooksy, I'm sure, has because he played a higher level than I did, Brooksy. That flip, when your guy just gets in a fight and beats the guy up and gets your bench going, your fans going, it, it energizes you. It changes every course of the momentum. It's like, it's like an approach at a baseball bat. If an umpire calls a strike when it was a ball, it changes your whole approach at the at-bat. So it's like yes. hockey where like momentum switches, and it changes your whole approach in the game, and it just can flag it your way. Or against you, right? Yeah, 100%. 
But I, Brooks, yeah, so, yeah, please. I know what you're getting into. I've been waiting for this topic. I'm excited for this topic. I had to line you up for what, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but like, well, first I, I do. I want to get into a little bit of the KHL here. And uh, um, a little bit, you know, obviously, yeah, well, obviously there's so many stories that, you know, we've heard some, I've, we've had a few guests on here that have told some great stories. And uh, obviously, you know, you and Yablonski going together. And I also think, I don't know if Trevor was with you guys at the time, Gills, or no. uh, that, or he was on a different yeah. team, but yeah, so you guys went over there and, you know, obviously there's been stuff on the internet and I, I just want to know if there's uh, some stories you can get into. I know there's been lots of fights off the ice, on the ice, everywhere. Yeah. I've seen Jeremy chasing guys around the ice. I uh, just want you to get a little bit of your, your life and your story over there in Russia. Well, the best story probably, uh, the one everyone talks about is the wedding fight or whatever, where it says we went to a wedding and beat guys up, which is completely false. Uh, it was our actually first three weeks there and we went to a it's like a it's like a preseason, but it's a tournament we went to i think it was in magnetogorsk and i remember it was a friday saturday sunday we played one game each day and i ended up i i beat up that uh uh he played in tampa bay artukin i think it was he was a big big russian tough guy okay but yeah. anyway if getting no i i think yeah, uh, yeah yeah but after uh after the Sunday's game, the, we were leaving Monday morning. We were going to fly home. Uh, Nazarov, Andre Nazarov, who was a tough guy in the NHL, was our coach. You know, he told us, he said, you guys go have some fun. You know, you haven't, you know, but you've been in Russia for three weeks and you haven't really let loose, so go have some fun. So I remember all the all the uh, import guys, like all the Canadian and the American guys, we all went out for, we went for dinner. We went bowling. And, and over in Russia, I mean, a bottle of vodka is $10. So, I mean, we were having a bottle of vodka each and got pretty smashed. And anyways, we thought, okay, well, we haven't been in Russia for a long, you know, so we've only been here for a while. Let's go check out the women in this town, you know, let's go to a bar. So we went to this club, but it didn't open till midnight. So we were all waiting outside this club because the, the doors didn't open till midnight. And, you know, me and Jeremy Ablonsky, we stood out like sore thumbs, you know, we both bigger guys, black guys, mohawks, whatever, whatever however I was there. So we caught up a lot of attention. It was mostly like positive attention. You know, guys were coming to get autographs and take pictures. And, you know, there was a lot of, it was a big crowd. And uh, what happened was there was a wedding party that showed up at this club and the girls were trying to take pictures of us. And the men didn't like that. So then the, 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 the men in the wedding party were getting angry and talking smart. So I remember things got a little bit vocal there. So I backed up, you know, growing up on the reservation, when there was a party and there was trouble, I would always get to the back so I could at least have watch my, you know, see everything in front of me. And, you know, so it was, I mean, if you guys probably watched the video, I don't know if it's still on YouTube, but anyways, for about 10 minutes, they were just kind of arguing back and forth. And, you know, long story short is anyways, after about 10 minutes, uh, then it got physical. And then I seen Yablonski go in there and then a guy went after, jumped on Yablonski. So when I seen Yablonski get him jump, I jumped in too. And then we ended up, long story short is Jeremy and I ended up knocking out like four or five guys cold. And I remember when we were done, I stopped and I looked and these guys were all on the ground shaking, right? And their women were over top of them. And I'm like, fuck, you know, what if we hurt one of these guys? And we're in the middle of Russia. We're, we're going to get, you know, we're, we're going to get in trouble here. So anyways, they all took off running. And I was the last, I'm the slowest guy. So I'm the last guy running. And then the cops. <laughs> so I actually stopped because I didn't want to get shot or something. So I stopped and I, you know, so they come and cuffed me up. And luckily, our Panarin that's playing with New York right now saved me. Wild. He comes back. He's at this time. He's like 19 years old or 20 years old. And he comes back and he, 
he didn't speak a word of English at that time, and I didn't speak a word of Russian. And these cops were all speaking Russian, and they had me cuffed up. So, you know, that Panarin, I just remember him coming back, and he's trying to explain to the cops. He's like, that's Marasti. Uh, he kept saying, tough guy, you know, play hockey. So he looks at me, and he says, money, money, money. And I'm like, so I had like maybe 400 bucks in my wallet, American. And I showed him, he's like, give, give, give. So I gave these cops that American money and <laughs> the uncuff, uncuffed me and let me go. <laughs> so, that, you know, that's one of the stories that, you know, me and Jeremy ended up beating up a few guys in Russia or at the bar. But, uh, yeah, there was that one. And then there's a story about, uh, I guess I, I got time for one quick one, was um, me, Jeremy, and, you know, my wife had a, had a baby, and my wife was living in New York because that's where I played the year before, and she was finishing her schooling. So I, I you know, I, I uh, was playing in Russia. And when my wife had her, I had her, my first daughter, I flew home for a week to spend, you know, have the birth and stuff, and then I flew back. But about three weeks later, my wife was having some struggles. You know, it was her first child, and so I'd asked the, the owner. I said, "Listen, can I fly home? You know, I have to go home and see my wife, and just kind of help her to get get things going. Can I take two weeks off, or whatever?" But we were playing Barisa Stana, who had Josh Gratt and Chris Simon. And, you know, in that league, not many teams had tough guys. So, uh, Josh Gratt. Yeah, so anyways, I, they said, yeah, you could fly home. And that's when Jeremy took that big suspension. You guys remember that Yablonski suspension they made in the KHL? Oh, yeah, got, yeah. Oh, oh, he yeah. invented that rule. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, so the long story short is because we had Jeremy and Kip Brandon on the team, the, the boss of the, our team said, yeah, go ahead. You can go home. We still got Jeremy and Kip anyways. So I flew all the way from Russia to New York to, to see my wife. I wasn't even home for four hours. You know, I got there at seven at night, went for supper. I went to bed. But when I went to bed, I turned the news on and they were playing the highlights of what Jeremy and them did with that big suspension. So sure enough, at about four o'clock in the morning, my uh, Skype's going off because that's how we communicated over there with Skype. And it was Jeremy. He's like, Johnny says, uh, Sasha, who is the owner's son, is going to call you. Pick up your phone. So not even 10 minutes later, my Skype rings again. And it's Sasha. And he's like, Johnny, you have to come back. And I just got to New York. I just flew across the Atlantic Ocean and got to New York for four hours. He's like, you got to come back. He says, we have nobody for Friday's game against Barry Sestana. You have to be here. Jeremy and Kip are both suspended. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I said, I just flew 13 hours and got here. I, I just went to bed with my wife and you want me to tell her I'm going to go, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. He says, you have to, we'll make it worth your while. So at four o'clock and I've only been in New York for like six hours from Russia. <laughs> so I'm on the internet at four o'clock in the morning, trying to get the, a flight to go back to Russia. And I can only find a first class ticket. It was like $8,000 and I'm a cheap fuck. Eh? <laughs> so I call Sasha and I say, Sasha, I said, there's a ticket for $8,000. I'm not buying it. No, no, just buy it. We'll reimburse you. So long story short is I bought this flight. So I, had to, I was only in Syracuse for about eight hours, and I had to get back on a plane. I flew all the way to uh, LaGuardia. Then from LaGuardia, I was supposed to fly to Warsaw, Poland. And this is already, like, you got to remember, Russia's 12 hours ahead of us, right? So this is, like, Thursday night, Friday morning. I get to Warsaw, Poland, but I miss my connecting flight. <laughs> so I call Sasha, and I'm like, Sasha, I made it to Warsaw, Poland, but I'm not going to make the game. My, my flight to Moscow, I missed it. Oh, no, no, you got to make it work. So I ended up rebooking my flight from Warsaw to St. Petersburg and then St. Petersburg back to Moscow. So I ended up getting to Moscow at like 5.30 p.m. And it, it's a 7.30 game and I'm in Moscow, which is like New York City. And I'm not going to make like, I'm, I'm like, Sasha, I landed in Moscow. What do you want me to do? He said, leave your check luggage. Just run outside. There's going to be someone waiting for you. 
So I go outside and it's the Escalades, like the, the boss, you know, the mafia stuff. And two cop cars are waiting for me outside. Uh-huh. So they literally, they literally drove cop cars and escorted me through the traffic to make this game in, in, in you know, about an hour away. Okay. But there was a rule in the KHL that you had to, you got to remember, and I haven't been sleeping for 24 hours. Like I'm, you know. So anyways, I get to the rink about, the, the team's already on the ice warming up, but there was a rule that I had to step foot on the ice for warmups in order to play. So I literally got it dressed as fast as I could and went and did one lap on the ice and came off and I fainted. I was so fucking tired and adrenaline out that I, you know. So then I get called into Nazarov's room. He says, well, you know what we flew you here for? And I said, yeah, I said, first shift, put me out there. So anyways, I ended up fighting John. You can watch him on YouTube. I beat him up pretty good, I'd say. And, uh, you know, I fought him up the first game or the first fight, went served my penalty. And there's only a two-fight rule there, right? So then... Served my five minutes, and then I came back and said, uh, you know, I, I said, oh, I want to fight him again. I don't want to be here. Like, I haven't slept for, you know, fucking 30 hours now. <laughs> and so next shift I go, he doesn't want to fight, but we end up fighting. So, I, you know, I kind of get him again. And then we're kicked out. And then the team ended up leaving after the game. They went on a road trip. And I partied for, like, two days with the boss man. And then I flew all the way back to New York. And I spent, like, a week of my – Zero sleep. So I basically, you know, flew across the Atlantic Ocean for one game, and then I went home. But uh, long story short, is they made it worth it. I think I got like a fifty thousand dollar bonus in cash for uh, for doing that. So it was well worth it. But it was quite the people don't know the true story that I flew, you know, across the ocean twice to play to play that. Went <laughs> in the deep hey, break, and that's Josh Gratton, right? Was that the Josh Gratton yeah. fight? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I know there was like fights in the row, Mike. Like people, when you get paid there in Russia, there's guards with guns. I've heard yeah. every story under under all of it. It is yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah. I've never had any. You know, you hear a lot of negative stuff, like where guys didn't get paid their money and stuff. But to be honest, I was always paid more than what I signed for when I was there because I got lots of bonuses and you know gifts and stuff. So I have nothing but good things to say about Russia. It was awesome, and I was treated like gold. You know, so I have nothing negative to say about the KHL. That's cool. See, we've had a lot of negative. It's, it's about time we had a little bit of positive. And to hear that you flew over the Atlantic Ocean, you had to fly here, they picked you up an Escalade, police escort, beat the yeah. snot out of somebody a couple of times, and friggin' had some <laughs> party after. That's that, yeah. that's unreal. You can't write that stuff. You but yeah, that's priceless. <laughs> yeah, there I was treated really good. So, like, I have nothing bad. As, you know, you always hear these things where guys didn't get paid, you know, where they were set up and stuff, but... No, they treated me like a hunt, like awesome. So I have nothing bad to say about that that place. Oh, there's a we've had. A, I I know James Duthie pretty good. Been able to connect with him, and he has a book called Untold Stories, Beauties, and it, it's. I think you and also Brooksy got some tales that you can share in that book. And I almost feel like telling him you got to hook up with the John Morasti here. Okay? Oh, I, I'm that's only that's telling great. you guys a few. There's a lot of other ones. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what i know we that's have- for part two that's for um, part two well yeah, definitely- there's, there's some that i can't say on here either <laughs> you know what we'll have those ones you can't say while we're having just a beer when we can meet up sometime yeah, yeah. we'll definitely have to have a part two because uh definitely hear more of that but i i know we've been talking for almost the past hour so we're gonna get to the saddest part of the show i call it uh the yeah. or the conclusion of course right uh, time flies when you're having fun that's for real you've been chatting for 50 minutes doesn't really feel like it uh so obviously you know you you have quite the journey in hockey. You've signed to play this year. You've traveled around Russia. You've played in different leagues. You're on Shorzy. You're wearing yeah. the, the attire right now. Okay, I want to give you the floor. I like giving the the guests the floor at the end to promote, to plug, 
or bring up anything that you want to bring up that we haven't yet. Heck, if you have a friend that you want to promote on here, I don't care. If you want to promote something or promote yourself, I want yeah. to give you the floor for about for as long as you want to say uh, anything that else you want to bring up before we get uh, to say our goodbyes. No, I think I've talked too much already, to be honest. But, you know, like I said, <laughs> now that I'm done and back home and stuff, you know, it's nice. I Like I told you earlier, I'm going to be running for chief. Uh, you know, I'm really involved in my com community here in, in Flying Dust. And, uh, you know, I had a pretty, you know, I, I was an Indian kid that grew up on the reserve and, and got a pretty successful life out of it. So uh, I'm just here to kind of empower our youth. And, and that's a big reason why I'm running for chief, you know, to be able to make executive decisions and, and uh, to lead the way. So... I uh, appreciate you guys having me. It was awesome. Um, anytime you guys want to chat, I'm around. Definitely. I want to say thanks, John. That's amazing. And Brooksy, you know what? I'll say thanks to you too because you take the time. Oh, nice of you. you. All the time. I guess I could say thank you and appreciate what you do also. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. I really appreciate it, Dave. And last plug, your light situation, Brooksy. Okay, John, I won't get into this. Oh, yeah. Wrap up. We like Brooksy sometimes. His light is such dog shit sometimes. Okay, because it's dark. Oh, yeah. But today I had to improvise. He had, I had a to fun, improvise today. He has a fun setup today. I don't know if you could show it, Brooks. Uh, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll give it a little show up. Look at this. Look at the lights. They <laughs> got the old school lights going. Right on. That's well, not, that's, that's not a ring fun. light. That's not ring I, light right no, no. I feel, <laughs> no, You know what? I didn't feel like I going looks to get darker one. than all your guys's. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny. Brooksy, yeah, I had to put, plug in your lights. All right. Oh, but it's all good. Hey, you got to improvise sometime. You do, but he's good. You know, you styled your hair today. You got new lights. You're a whole new uh, new yeah, guy yeah. today. New guy today. Yeah, I'm ready it, to rock. Let's there go. You, definitely. So thanks again, John. It's 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 been amazing. The show, love the show, love to hear the career, the stories that you had, and God, Jablonski too. You two guys can have a show together maybe next time. I think that would be just absolutely epic. I think that but would be the next one. I got to correct one thing though. Me and Jablonski are not cousins. <laughs> You're not cousins, eh? No, I thought you guys were related. What, what, Put it this put it this way. He's he's white and I'm Indian. How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. The, the reason that happened was like we were we were playing hockey and and I grew up with Jeremy. He's a, you know a few years older than I am, but I always looked up to him as like an older friend and cousin. And and I think one of the reporters just said, you know, that's uh, that's uh, their cousins, but you know we're not. So, <laughs> but it just oh, yeah. I, it's just been ran with because I, I could have sworn Jeremy had said it to me before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And there's a, he's related to one of my cousins through marriage, so there's a little bit of that stuff there. But oh, yeah, yeah, I would yeah. just joke around. I said, "He's I'm brown, he's white. We can't be cousins." Seventy <laughs> fifth removed but, through marriage. Yeah. But appreciate yeah, yeah. you guys having me, guys. Thank yeah. you. And yeah, I want to remind you. listeners: thank you for listening. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe, and all the platforms of the Game Sports Show and T Gem, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Podbean, Podtail, Facebook, Instagram, the website, thegamesportshow.com. TGM YouTube channel. Listen, everywhere. If you don't hit like, follow, and subscribe, I might send John to your house. I don't know yet, but either way, you should be hitting like, follow, and subscribe because we've always got the fun and electrifying content. And I want to remind you to keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah. <laughs>